0: Last night was really good for the NBA. Oh boy, um, I enjoyed the games. Um, I know a couple of friends was hitting me up as the game was on, and um, you know we was uh, just reacting and talking about how good the the visuals look. Uh, I think that I think they could use some um, some some more artwork around the floor because the floor looked a little dry. Like I was I was watching the Lakers game. They had the Lakers. That was. That was a home that was supposed to be a home game, quote unquote, for the Lakers. Um, And they had the Laker uh, logo, um, UCLA Health logo on the floor. But in Black Lives Matter, I thought that was really good. I think that was really good. Um, They had the Black Lives Matter written out on the floor. That was pretty good. But they had like another another Nike sponsor. Um, But I think they could use some more artwork on the floor. Yeah, I think they could use some more artwork on the floor, but um, it was pretty good. I enjoyed the NBA last night. Um, You know, I've been watching since baseball came back. I watched some baseball games. Uh, I watched some, you know, the NBA games were were good. I mean, these were good games last night. We're going to talk about them. (laughs) But, um, boy, oh, boy. And and Zion, the thing that got me, Zion only played like 15 minutes, but I'm going to talk about that. I, I, I found that really bizarre because that was the like that was one of the, that was the main reason why I watched the first game. I know I'm, I'm I mean I'm sure the NBA the NBA definitely set that up that double hitter for the Jazz and the Pelicans to, like Zion, the, you know, everybody's looking to you know want to see Zion play and come back and then the Lakers and Clippers obviously, you know, you know what those two teams um are playing for. Supremacy in um, supremacy in the, in Los Angeles. And for NBA title, and we're gonna get into it. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the IKP. Welcome back to another to another episode of the IKP. Excuse me, episode one forty one. You know who it is. Episode one forty one. You know who it is. You know who it is. You know who it is. Um, boy oh boy. So that was that was just my pre uh, <laughs> talk, pre talk, pre show talk. So um, you know we we got the NBA back. We we I, I'm I'm happy. I was happy last night watching it. Uh, you know some pretty good moments, especially during the Lakers and Clippers game. That was a really game. That was a really good game. Came down to the stretch. Both teams made runs, uh, their own runs. Uh, I'm gonna break down. I'm de- you know you already you guys already know I'm gonna break down the game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in here and talk talk about the game and break down the game and what I saw from the Clippers and Lakers. Uh, talk about a little bit of Zion. We got you know we got some we got some good topics today. Sports are back. Sports are back. Sports are back. Um, and one thing before I get into the intro, um, the NBA since July the twentieth have had zero positive cases of COVID nineteen in their bubble. They've had zero positive cases in twenty in in, in the since July the twentieth in their NBA bubble, and I think they're doing a good job. Um, and I know I know baseball. Has had their struggles with it early on in their season, especially in a in a particular hot spot, which is Florida and the Miami Marlins. I mean, uh, uh, I I mean a bunch of positive tests that came out of the Miami Miami Marlins, and I'm not an epidemiologist, but um, whatever the NBA is doing, they are doing a really good job at it. I'm sure they have testing set up. Like after every game, I think I think they had, like I don't know what the protocols are, I don't know if that's public knowledge um or that that we're privy to, but or certain media members are privy to privy to, but I'm sure they do testing at practice test test testing after practice um testing before games, testing after games, I'm sure they have testing like just around the clock. Testing around the clock, and that is that is why since July the 20th, the NBA the NBA has had zero positive cases of COVID-19. So that's a that's a good sign. Um and I was worried all throughout the pandemic, I talked about the the about the NBA's approach in this bubble. I talked about it and I was um I was critical of it. I must say I was very critical of the fact um, with the NBA in the bubble and how it's going to look. I was critical of it, and I was critical not so more of the idea of the bubble, but how certain players were reacting and talking about the bubble, and I thought Adam Silver should have been a little bit more like, this is what it is. Um, but it's turned out well. I enjoyed the games last night, and we're going to get into the Lakers. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about the Lakers and Clippers game last night after this quick break. Everybody to the IKP. I'm ready to get it started. It's your humble and highly favorite host. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kit. Welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kit Podcast, episode 141. Let's get into it. I'm ready. I'm ramped up. The NBA is back. Sports are back. I hope everybody out there is still being safe. It's in DC. There's a requirement that you have to wear your mask while you're out in public, and it, I think it's just—I think it's just simple. It's, it's simple. Before I get into the NBA and the Clippers and Lakers, it's simple. Wear your mask, especially when you're out in public, and then expect, I mean, it's really important when you go into uh, establishments. You know, which, wear your mask. Wear your mask. This is DC. This is for anybody, anybody, wherever you're listening from. Because we do have out-of-town listeners that listen from all over the country. Wherever you're from, um, con- to continue to wear your mask, be healthy, stay safe. Come on. <clears throat> Let's get over this thing. So, the Lakers and Clippers played last night. And I sat back I watched this game. I had a really good dinner while watching the game. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed both games, actually. I watched both games. I enjoyed both games. It's some more. It's some more. It's some good, really good games coming on tonight. I'm gonna watch those. But with the Clippers and the Lakers, um, it felt uh, the intensity was high, definitely. Um, but with the Lakers, it's, it's, and first, the Lakers going into the bubble, like when you look at their team on paper with LeBron and AD, and you like. And then they have all these other guys like J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters and Danny Green, KCP, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Althusa. When you look at their roster on paper, you're like, how do these guys fit? How are they winning? But when you watch them play, and the one, like the Lakers didn't particularly shoot the ball well last night. Uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't really start. The Lakers offensively, like, Anthony Davis in the first half really carried the Lakers. He had 20 points in the first half, and that's, that, that's going to be real vital, and I'm going to talk about that. But it, it wasn't until the third quarter where the Lakers really got their groove offensively and started shooting the three-ball well. Um, I think Alex Caruso, he had a rough first half. He got a couple fouls, um, really, really didn't shoot the ball well in the first half, but second half came back with, you know, came back with more energy um, you know he made some key plays down the stretch. He had a really big steal in the fourth quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, the guys like Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, you know Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, Deion Waiters, they were able to hit big shots in the third quarter to to make a run and to cut that deficit and um, that hole that they put themselves in because that was a really bad third quarter for the Lakers to start off. Um, but when you look at these, when you look at these, this Lakers squad. It, it's like it, you should be questioning: Do they really fit? But when you watch them, the one thing the Lakers have going for themselves, and that, I, and that, I, and I, that, and it was a it was a thing that they had going for themselves before the pandemic, and now even yesterday's game was chemistry. The Lakers have tremendous chemistry. The first nineteen games, they started off seventeen and two. That was the best start by any liquor team ever. It tied. It was tied for the best start by any by any liquor team ever. So they got off to a great start. Anthony Davis and the the Anthony Davis and the Le- Le- LeBron dynamic, they matched. They matched perfectly. They fit well. Remember when my w- remember when LeBron went down to Miami? And it took like it took like twenty, thirty games for D-Way and LeBron to play with each other, along with Chris Bosh. Like it took them a while, and they struggled. A, they struggled a bit in their first year. LeBron, Lakers, AD, Frank Vogel. It like that 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 whole dynamic with Anthony Davis has worked out tremendously, and they have they they they've, they've been it's been it's been really uphill from there. Um, their role players play their roles. I thought, and this is why, and this is why I was not, I was not ready to give up on the Lakers. This is why, despite the A.B. Bradley loss, and the A.B. Bradley loss is really vital. And, um, I, and I saw it last night. It was really vital. And then Mar- the Rondo, the injury, I, that's why I did not give up on this Lakers team. Because I'm like, you got LeBron, you have AD you're going to have a chance in any series because you have the two best players probably on the floor uh, most of the time. When when you playing the Clippers in the Bucks, you know, you you still got you still got some of the top players in the in, on the floor. But most of the time the Lakers are going to have the best two players on the floor most of the time. And even then if you like, I think I think the LeBron and Anthony Davis duo is a little bit better than the Kawhi and Paul George duo. And Paul George and Kawhi, they are a really good duo. But I think the LeBron and Anthony Davis dynamic is just so much. I think it's just better. It, it, they, they fit better. I think it's just better. Um, now as a team, the Lakers played well last night. I mean, they did. They it was a little sloppy. Um, the, the the Clippers had a lot of turnovers. The Clippers had more turnovers than assists last night. So the Clippers were very sloppy, but the Lakers, they didn't quite – like the Clippers had a bunch of turnovers. The Lakers didn't actually cash in on a lot of those turnovers. They didn't cash in on a lot of those turnovers. The Lakers were a bit out of sorts themselves, but I see more unity and togetherness with the Lakers. With the Clippers, they have a different mentality coming into the bubble. They have, uh, you know, the the Clippers, they have players leaving and going in and out of the bubble – Kawhi last night didn't really look too great. Paul George played phenomenal last night, but outside of that, that was really only like Paul George. At times, felt like offensively with Paul George and the Clippers, it felt like he was carrying them single-handedly. Um, and I know Ka- you know Kawhi is gonna you know I, I, he didn't ha- he had twenty eight points last night, but the twenty eight points. He didn't really look like, in one-on-one situations, especially with LeBron in isolation, Kawhi didn't look the most confident with that, like his ball handler. It, it didn't look the most confident. He didn't seem like his skills were up to par. And rightfully so, everybody's going to be rusty. Everybody is a bit like out of shape, sort of. Everybody is going to be rusty. But with the Lakers, um, the chemistry, I think that's the one thing that sticks out with me. Their chemistry as a team really sticks out to me and, and you know my, some people may think of it as a small thing but it's really not because the Clippers on the other hand has been the total opposite they haven't had chemistry they haven't had no camaraderie the, the the Clippers have had 29 different starting lineups coming into last night's game 29 different starting lineups they're still second, they're still able to maintain the second spot in the West. But, you know, Lou Wills going out of the town, you know, he's leaving quarantine and you know going to funeral. You know, I and I get it. I get it. But the Lakers, it seems like they are a bit more committed. Because Alex Caruso had a family situation. His, Alex Caruso's sister was getting married. Now, I don't wanna I don't wanna compare the two of you know a funeral and a wedding. I don't want to compare it to, and I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. But it did say a lot about Alice Caruso not going to to his sister's wedding and staying with his team. That that you know, his team is a championship-contending team, staying in the in the bubble, playing it out with his team. It, you know, it just shows a bit more commitment on the Lakers' end. It show it just shows a bit more commitment on the Lakers' end when you're talking about. The bubble and how things are going to go, and as far as winning a title, the Lakers just seem a bit more serious. They seem a bit more committed. And with the Clippers, you know, I think I, I, I'm not saying they're, you know, they're not taking the, this bubble thing serious. I'm not saying that, but they have players leaving the quarantine, you know, it's it's a bit of the same story. Players not in shape. Players are quarantining. It just seems like they're out of sorts. In not in the right place to be playing um, intense basketball. It, that's that's the way it just that's the way it looks to to me. Looking at the game last night, that's the way it looks to me. Um, there was some there was some big moments from the Clippers last night. You know they they came they didn't have the best first quarter. Um, they played really well in the third quarter, especially to start off the third quarter. Defensively they were really well, but. In the fourth quarter, Kawhi didn't have the best fourth quarter, um, you know, and that's where LeBron, LeBron. Let's talk about LeBron. LeBron didn't have the best. LeBron didn't have the best game either. I know I'm talking about Kawhi and how Kawhi looked a little bit shaky, but LeBron had the best game either. But LeBron's approach was to distribute. He was distributing the ball. Uh, he got Anthony Davis the ball. Anthony Davis. He he was Anthony Davis is really aggressive. All night, and like I said, I'm going to talk about how I think that is really vital for the Lakers, and that's to, that that's what's going to take. But LeBron was distributing, getting Anthony Davis back in the groove. Um, he had he had like five assists in like the first quarter. He you know he thought, he thought to start off the first quarter, he had like three, four assists. So he was he was in distributing mode. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, and he was not great for the first three quarters. Now the fourth quarter, he came alive. He made some big defensive stops. Uh, he, he, you know, obviously the game-winning uh, put-back shot. You know, he missed the shot previously, and then now he, he got the put-back, put it back in, game-winning shot. And then the last, the, the last defensive stop uh, to seal the win on Kawhi and then switches back on to Paul George, which is, which is really difficult because Paul George at that point was, I mean, he was, he was making everything. Um, so you know the Lakers and LeBron, they had a they had a great night. AD had a great night, but I do I, the one thing that sticks out to me about the Lakers is their chemistry. Their chemistry is out the roof, and they have a, like I said, they have a lot of personalities on this Lakers squad. A lot of personalities: Kyle Kuzma, Deion Waiters, Jr., Javale McGee, Dwight Howard, Caruso, Danny Green, LeBron. Like it's a lot, Jerry Dully. It's a lot of personalities on this roster. And you look at the, if you look at this roster on paper, you're like, does this team really fit? But this team fit and they have great commodity. Um, Deion Waiters, like, for instance, I'm going to show you how, I'm going to show you how good the Lakers' chemistry is. Deion Waiters couldn't fit nowhere. Deion Waiters, um, you know, his, his last few days in Miami were rough. You know, he had his little, he had his, little problem in Miami, but Deion Waiters haven't been able to, he, Deion Waiters really haven't been able to fit nowhere. He goes to the Lakers, he fits in. He, he fits in. They, they bring him right in, he fits right in, and he played really well last night. <laughs> and Dion Waiters, he's a guy that's going to get you off instant offense, instant offense. He can create his own shot. Um, so that's what the Lakers needed. Deion Waiters came in and dropped 11. That was that was pretty, that was pretty big. That was pretty big. With Caruso not really hitting the shot, the shot not really falling. Danny Green got off to a really slow start. That was big for Deion Waiters to come off the bench and deliver some minutes, deliver some points, uh, creates creating offense. And you can see it. He's like he can score. He can score. He can score. He's not the best shooter, but he thinks he can shoot. Cause Deion Waiters, <laughs> Dion Waiters has a funny side about his game, but he is a he's instant offense and he can create offense and that's what the Lakers need but it's just real bizarre uh, like how these role players fit with the Lakers and they know they rose they know they rose and they know it well Javale McGee he's kind of a goofy guy but he's a really defensive he's really impactful defensively for the Lakers uh Caruso and his headband Caruso's a fan favorite but Caruso brings energy and uh plays with a lot of heart, and he's, you know, he, he, he brings what he has to the table, and him and LeBron, like I said, him and LeBron in that dynamic, that works. Deion Waiters, instant offense, he works. Like, the White Howard, he's kind of, you know, iffy personality-wise, but he works. He fits. But this is no panic. I don't think this should be a panic for the Clippers. Like, if you're a Clippers fan, this—, this it's no panic. Um, I would just only say the Clippers they're at the two spot, but they only have a game and a half lead on the Nuggets. So even if they do drop down to three, they are they they'll still be in line to play the Lakers in the conference finals. Now you don't want to you don't want to drop down to four because you have to play the Lakers in the second round, um, most likely. So um. The Clippers. This not. This shouldn't be a panic. If you're a Clippers fan, if you think the Clippers are going to win the finals, it, this should, this this is no panic. But I do think it, I find it, and I talked about this early. I think I, I talked about this around January and February, and my, in February, I talked about how a lot of people, a lot of the media, the league perception is that. The Clippers have a deeper and better roster. I think we can all agree that the Clippers have a deeper and better, and a more a more well balanced roster than the Lakers. And a lot of media members, a lot of fans, tend to think that the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers in the playoffs. Now, I often, like I said, I talked about this previously on the pod, but. This is a new position for the Clippers to be in. And I think, this is, I think this is absolutely real because the Clippers are favorites. The Clippers are not underdogs. Usually, the Clippers are underdogs, especially when they're compared against the Lakers. They are underdogs, and they've have, they have, they have been that. And, and some of you guys may think they still are. But the Clippers have a better roster. The Clippers have a more balanced roster than the Lakers. That's, 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 just, the, that's just the fact that matter. But this is new territory for the Clippers. And the Clippers may not be able to handle, handle the new territory of being the favorites. Of being or, or of not being the underdogs. I, and I think it's real. I think it's real. And I like I said, I I, I made this comment earlier. But the Lakers... They're taking this bubble seriously and they're trying to make the best of it. Now we know we heard rumblings of certain Clipper players not wanting to go to the bubble. But they all came to the bubble. But then you have you know, you have you have Clippers players leaving and going, you know, leaving out of the bubble, going in and out of the bubble. I'm not questioning the commitment, but I don't think the the Clippers at least it doesn't seem like it from the inside out. They're, they're, I don't think they're taking the bubble as serious as the Lakers are. And they're not trying to, and I don't think the Clippers are taking the, I don't think they're taking the bubble. They're not taking full advantage of the bubble. The Lakers are taking full advantage of the bubble. Like they're, they're, they're bringing that whole team atmosphere. They have great chemistry. And, I, and that and and that's where the chemistry comes from. That's where the bench players knowing their roles come from. Just with these hanging out with the team, and that's all the Clippers, That's all the Lakers have been doing, doing throughout the bubble. But the Clippers, they got guys leaving out, and this is what they've been doing for the entire season. They got guys in and out of the lineup. One guy, Paul George, he's hurt. Kawhi gets hurt. Kawhi, you know, he sits out. So they struggle at times. They're, you know, they got they got pieces. It's like a revolving door. They have they have people just coming through the door, coming through the door, coming through the door. And they haven't, they haven't, they haven't quite found their chemistry yet. Even with the first half of the season, guys in and out of lineup. Then throughout the four me- the four month break, you can't build, can you can't you can't build, you can't build team chemistry throughout the four month break. Now they're in the bubble. Some of the same things, guys in and out of lineup. Team chemistry looks uh ill, look a little, not ill, but it looks a little shaky. Uh, Doc Rivers still hasn't quite found that he hasn't he he hasn't found that lineup that he's gonna go to in the closing moments in big moments in big spots and I talked about that I've talked about that on numerous occasions but Clipper fans if you're a Clipper fan if you uh, if you think the Clippers are gonna win if you think the Clippers are gonna win the whole thing you should this 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 shouldn't be a panic you shouldn't be pressing the panic button but it does point out. Some glaring weaknesses of the Clippers. Um, it does. Uh, it's it's a sense of um, how do I put this with the Clippers because they have a they have a really good team, and we already know they don't they can't really protect the interior. Their interior defense is not good, but we know their perimeter defense is really good. But. Doc Rivers, I think it's going to be real important for Doc Rivers to, to, to find his go-to lineup. The Warriors had like their death lineup, where they, were, they put Draymond at the five, and it would go small. The Clippers got to find that, that lineup. They got, to, they got to find their go-to lineup, their death lineup. They got to go to that, and they got to find it. So, um, let's move on to Zion and the Pelicans, which I was very disappointed and that was Zion's performance because he shot the ball pretty efficiently he shot the ball pretty well uh he played pretty well, but why in the hell did the clip why why in the hell did the pelicans only play him fifteen minutes why like I get it you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to be careful you're trying to make sure he's in a good spot he's in a good position, but at some point it's like damn, I mean. Nobody's in the perfect. Nobody's in perfect shape. Everybody's a bit rusty. Even LeBron and Kawhi's a bit rusty. LeBron was a bit rusty. He was more of he was more of a facilitator last night. But LeBron is LeBron was a bit rusty. And Zion shot the ball pretty efficient and pretty well last night. Why did the like the Pelicans need these games? The Pelicans need these games. They're trying to get in the playoffs. That, that I mean, that's why they. That's why the NBA came up with this twenty-two game format, because the Pelicans and Zion, and it's proven. I mean, Brandon and all respect to Brandon Ingram. Brandon is a good player. Uh, he, he, you know, he's the most viable. He's the most important. He's a. He's the most improved player of the year candidate. Uh, he was an All Star this year, but. He's not more impactful than Zion He's their all-star Player He's their all-star But Zion is their most Impactful and their most Valuable player on the Pelicans Look at the plus minus stats Look at his plus minus stats On and off the floor When Zion is on the floor Pelicans are plus 11 When he's off the floor They're negative 4 So He's clearly impactful. He clearly, clearest day, is the most viable Pelican. And I don't understand why the Pelicans ain't playing him. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why the Pelicans aren't playing him. Um, he only played 15 minutes last night. He had 13 points in 15 minutes, which is really good. Like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't disappointed in Zion, but it was like, damn. I only got to see him play 15 minutes. That's the only reason why I watched this game. That's the only reason why I watched this game, and the Pelicans need these games. Like, like the Pelicans need these games, and I'm not saying they have to play Zion 40 minutes, but damn, I mean they could have. They, I mean, when that when that lead started to shrink, they could have put him in late in the fourth quarter. I would have liked to see him in the game late in the fourth quarter. Pelicans trying to hold on to the lead against a, a against a pretty decent Utah Jazz team. You, and, and by the way, um, I'm big on Utah. Um, but and I and I and I said it when he first got hurt. When when had the fracture, I think it's a fractured wrist or fractured elbow. I think it's a fractured w- wrist. When 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 they announced that Bondanovich was going to have to have surgery on that, I was like, boy, boy, the, the, Utah's going to struggle offensively. You, Utah's going to struggle offensively because, I mean, and I and I saw a little bit of it last night. The Pelicans, the Pelicans problem was in that game, the Pelicans didn't, the Pelicans couldn't stop the, the, the Jazz in, 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 in the inside. The Jazz in the paint was having their way. Utah, Utah was having their way inside the paint. The Pelicans could not stop them in the interior. So, you know, but outside of that, Utah, the, the offensive struggles, I see it. I see it, and whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs, I think it's probably Houston. I think they have to play Houston in the first round of the playoffs. Boy, oh, boy, they—they're uh, gonna have to find another source of offense and an, an, uh, another source of scoring because they don't have enough scoring on the perimeter. Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, but they don't. Mike Conley, whatever he can give you, but that's not enough scoring on the perimeter. And I saw it last night. They don't have enough scoring on the perimeter, and they are—they, I mean, Bondanovich is their second option, and and, and you know it, it just shows you how and how important how important he is because they need another source of offense, and Bondanovich could really help. He could really help, but he's hurt. Um, so let's move on. So let's get into how the games look because I was I was impressed. Um, and that, and you guys heard that. In, in the pre-show, in the pre in like in the intro or whatever. I was impressed. And I noticed while watching some of these baseball games, the fans or just watching baseball in the past, fans are much more noticeable. Uh home runs, the foul balls behind the pit behind the batter's box, you could see fans. Fans are more visible, fans are more noticeable. But in the NBA, the light in the spotlight is more on the actual what's going on on the floor, the commentators are constantly talking and describing what's going on on the floor. So it's always constant action going on with baseball. It's more standstill. Fans are involved. Fans seem a little bit more involved and are active with the foul balls and the home runs. Like I said. With the with with the NBA and and I get this I get because I, I I read I read articles and stuff uh, on you know a, a spark, like on how COVID is affecting the sports in the sports world I read a lot of articles on that and and there and I must say there's a lot of journalists and writers and media um, personnel out there that just that, that they're just looking for problems. They're just looking for problems to write about, looking for problems to put on their blog. But instead, I'm looking at solutions. I'm, look, I want some, I'm, looking, for some, I'm looking for some solutions. I'm looking for how can we actually better this thing. That, I mean, I read some of these articles. It's just negative, 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 negative. I'm like, it's too much negativity in there. We need some positivity. And just looking at these basketball games, um, and, and like I said, the MLB has tried their best with virtual, with the virtual fans, the cardboard cutouts, you know, the sound, they have tried their best, um, but it's, the fans are just much more noticeable in baseball and with basketball, it's not. The NBA, it's, you know, it's constant action, you see what's going on on the floor, and I think this bubble setup is really good for the NBA, um, Now, obviously, it it it, like when I was watching the Jazz and the Pelicans play, it was a bit strange—not to hear fans, not to see fans, even though they had like the virtual screen. But I even I like the screening that they have with the technology in the background, with while they're playing in in the virtual fans. I like how they got that set up. Uh, I think that's I think that is pretty good, but. The just look at the jet. It, it takes a while. It takes a while to get used to. But I enjoyed it, it's, especially the Clippers and Legacy. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed every bit of it. I liked it very much. And I, you know, it, it, it's it, you could you got to make do with what you got right now. Um, because this is the new normal. It's um, pan, you know, obviously we know these we know these things. And I'm just happy that we got sports back. But with the bubble, look up the bubble setup. Um, the commentators were pretty good on t- I mean, obviously on TNT, they were pretty good last night. I enjoyed it. I, you know, I really enjoyed it, and it's something new. And it might, it may, it may, t- it may take a bit used to. It may, it may take a bit to get used to. Obviously, uh, with no fans, different setup. But I just, I just realized that the the the, the dynamic between the MLB and the NBA and the MLB, like foul balls, home runs, like the fans seem more interactive. The NBA, the spotlights on the players on the floor. That's why you see in certain, like that's why you see and I don't know for di- I can't speak for different arenas, but the, the 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 basketball arenas that I've gone to, like you're seating as a fan, quote unquote. Your seating's dark. It's, it's usually dark, depending on where you are. It's dark. Sometimes you might be in the light, like if you're courtside, but like, you know, if you're in the middle section, if you're in the, if you're, you know, and, you know, in near the, even if you're even near the floor, the spotlight's on the floor. The spotlight's on the players. It's on the action. It's constant action. So, like, watching the NBA game last night, Clippers and Lakers, uh, you know, I could tell fans weren't there, but it was constant action. Commentators kept talking about describing it. It was some good it was it was some good basketball on yesterday. I didn't mind it. I, I didn't mind it at all. Um, you know, obviously we would want fans. That's that's the most ideal situation, obviously. But constant action, looking at the looking at the up and down play, and it was a bit sloppy in the first half, but in the third and the fourth quarter, especially the intensity went up, you know, players chirping at each other. I liked it. I liked it very much. And I think it's a good setup. <laughs> I think it's a good setup. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know about the public opinion um, as far as, like, what the game looked like. Cause, but I watched every second of it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And this also, I also want to touch bases on the Neil doing the National Anthem. I I I mean, you know, you you guys, come on. The kneeling doing the National Anthem. If you do not get it by now, it's not a disrespect to the flag. It's not a disrespect to the country. It is a peaceful protest and gesture highlighting the unfairness in the country, the inequality within the country. <laughs> Simple as that. It's not a political statement. It is a simple gesture in a peaceful, in a peaceful protest. I enjoyed it, I liked it i like, I liked the scene um, of it last night um, i you know I, I I think it was pretty good i you know i'm I'm with it I'm with it I'm with it all I'm with it all i'm with the I am not against kneeling with the anthem, and if you continue to say that's a disrespect to the flag, if you continue to say that, you are not getting it. And it's not that you can't, like, it's not that it's hard. Not, like, this thing is not hard. It's awareness everywhere. It's a, it, I mean, it's awareness everywhere. If you, if you don't, don't want to, if you choose not if, you're not, if you're not aware, you choose not to be aware. Because there's awareness being spread everywhere. Simple, simple as that. If you're just not aware socially about what's going on in certain things. You cho- you choose not to be aware cuz it's everywhere. It's plastered everywhere. You see it on the news. You see it. You see it in sports. You see it everywhere. You see it on social media. You see it on the internet. You see it everywhere. You see it with local businesses. You see it in big-time businesses. It's awareness being spread everywhere. So, the whole awareness piece if you're not aware, you choose not to be. Simple as that. Choose not to be. If you're not the way you choose not to be. Simple as that. So I did say um, I want to talk about Anthony Davis and the game he had. Anthony Davis played tremendously well. Um, and this is what this is what's gonna this is what it's gonna take for the Lakers to beat the Clippers because often, <laughs> often I've said on this podcast, often I've said the Clippers are built. To, excuse me. The Clippers are built to slow down LeBron. They are. That's the fact of the matter. And LeBron was a bit rusty. He Didn't have the best shooting night. Um, he was more of a facilitator, getting others involved early, especially Anthony Davis, because um, yeah, Anthony Davis had twenty points in the first half. But the the Clippers. This is the fact of the matter. The Clippers are. They are. They are. They are built to stop or. Not to stop LeBron because you can't stop him, but slow down LeBron. They are. They got two of the best wing. They got two of the best wing defenders in basketball with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Then they have eight, they have, they have guys like Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris. They can throw at LeBron. So that's that's a, that's that's four guys that they can throw at LeBron. Four. The Lakers. I mean, the Clippers have four guys they can throw at LeBron. So they so so they're they're built to slow down LeBron, and this is why I think Anthony Davis is going to be so impactful, and he's going to have to be so important for the Lakers to win to, to beat the Clippers and to win the title. But I think the Lakers will beat Milwaukee. I think the Lakers are a better team than Milwaukee. But they Anthony Davis is going to have to impose his will and his fingerprints on the game every time they play the Clippers. Now, I do realize Anthony Davis had a big first half, and he had a really good third quarter. In the fourth quarter, he kind of disappeared. Simple as that. He kind of disappeared. LeBron, LeBron, was, LeBron had a better fourth quarter than Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, had a be- he, Anthony Davis' first three quarters, I mean, Anthony Davis throughout the game, he was the best player on the floor. He was the best player on the floor. Him and Paul George, they they played well. They really came to play last night, but look, Anthony Davis kind of disappeared in the fourth quarter. And luckily, LeBron played well on both sides on both sides of the ball. He uh, continued to facilitate. LeBron was getting to the rim a little bit more, got a little bit more aggressive, hit a shot, hit the game winning, had the game winning put back. So LeBron really, he, he really had a big fourth quarter, along with some more players that the Lakers had. But Anthony Davis was a key part uh, of last, uh, obviously, he was the key part of last night win. Um, he's going to need to play like that. And and, and that was, in, in me talking about him disappearing in the fourth quarter, that was the knock against Anthony Davis. And actually, word is that Clippers management, you know, the executives with the Clippers, Front office of the Clippers, they wanted Anthony Davis. They they wanted Anthony Davis. The, the front office of the Clippers wanted Anthony Davis, but they were very hesitant because they because they questioned how like how soft is he. They they think like this is this is word around the league. This is world this is word around the front office of the Clippers. They think he's very talented. <laughs> Anthony Davis is very talented. I think he's a more athletic version of Tim Duncan, if you ask me. I think he's a more athletic version of Tim Duncan. I'm not saying he's better than Tim Duncan. I'm not saying he's gonna be Tim Duncan. He's a more athletic version of Tim Duncan. Um but that is the knock against Anthony Davis. They think he's soft. They think he's soft. They think he you know, they they questioned his ability to play through injuries. He's done that this year. Um that's that's the question around the league. And that's the notation. He's soft. He's a soft big man. That's the notation around the league. And everybody everybody admits it. Anthony Davis is talented. In hell. I mean, the first three quarters, Anthony Davis looks like the best player in the world in the first three quarters. (laughs) I mean, he looks like the best player in the world in the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, he kind of disappeared. He kind of disappeared. He did. And LeBron had a and you can and you can make the argument. Well, LeBron came through big in the fourth quarter. Great. Great. But that is the knock, that is the consistent knock on AD. Him not coming up big or him or in in big moments or him being soft. That's the notation around the league that is that is that is often thrown around he's soft don't 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 want to play through injuries doesn't have that dog he's talented he's talented and he's a really good defender he's a really good defensive player and he can he can score 30 any given night any night every night he can score 30 and 10 but he's soft and he lacks dog that is the notation around the league with Anthony Davis and that is what in that in that right there, that should be on that should be a chip on Anthony Davis' shoulder because he's talented. The kid is talented. He's talented. He might he might be the most talented player to come out of high school. or to come out of college, rather. To come out of college, excuse me. He might be the most talented player to come out of college in the last ten years. Anthony Davis, yeah. Remember all the hype surrounding him coming out of Kentucky. He won the national title, national title at Kentucky with Kyle Perry, and all oh, so much hype. He's probably the best. He's probably the best college player to come out of to come out of college in the last ten years. You could probably make the argument for Zion, but he's he's the he's the best college player to come out of out of college in the last ten years. Nobody denou- nobody denies the talent, but the notation around the league and the hesitancy that the Clippers had was he's soft. Doesn't really like to play through injuries. I think Anthony Davis has a chip on his shoulder, or he should have a chip on his shoulder. He should use it as that. And I think he, I think he I think he, I think he came to play. He came to play and he played well last night. He played well. He got to continue to do it, especially against the Clippers. You know, these other teams, you know, he can, you know, he can do his thing. But the Clippers, he's gonna, he's gonna have to have thirty four, thirty six. He's gonna, he's gonna have to have nights like that for the Lakers to get past the Clippers. So let's shift gears. Let's shift gears to this top 100 players list. Um, I was really surprised. The internet was really surprised. Social media was really surprised. Um, But this, once again, this list is the same list that ranked Cam as the number one player in the league after his 2015 MVP season. Um, and, in no way, I mean, I'm not discrediting players for having opinions, but I mean, there is a certain extent, like Ryan Tannehill was in the top 60 players in, no, Ryan Tannehill is not a top 60 player in football. Uh, Josh Allen shouldn't be in the top 100. Uh, like, it, it, you know, the players, they, they, they like the arm, they like the size, they like his athleticism. That's why that's why Josh Allen made the top 100 list, but he's not top 100. He's not even top, he's not even in the top 10% of quarterbacks in the league. He's not even in the top 10% and he's not a top 10 quarterback and he's not a top 100 player. And everybody's talking about him, Patrick Mahomes should be number 1. You can make a case, you can make an argument. And I'm not saying guy, I would probably make an argument that Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football? Um, I, you can make that argument, and I've made it on. I've made it on this podcast previously talking about Patrick Mahomes and so and so and so forth. And everybody is just going crazy about how Patrick Mahomes should be number one. Um, and like I said, he should. Mean first two years in the league, like and I and I've been having this conversation with a couple friends of mine. And I and it, like especially after he got the deal. And I and, and I just questioned them. I said, what like what in in, in in any profession, or not profession, but in any sport, any athlete you can name, male or female, who has had a better two year start to their career than Patrick Mahomes? Like at, like that, I, I asked that question legitimately. Who has had in any ever all throughout time? Who in any sport, female or male, who has had a better two-year start to their career than Patch He was the league MVP. Then he was a Super Bowl MVP. He threw 50 touchdowns. We all rave right about his arm. He has playoff victories. He's played well. He's played from behind. He's never lost a game more than he, he – like, get this. This is how good Patch He's never lost a game in the NFL no more than seven points. So he doesn't get blown out. And all of his losses are close losses. All, his, all of his losses are close losses. He's never lost a game more by more than seven points. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. But the one player, and everybody's talking about, oh, Russell Wilson should be, you know, the one – and Russell Wilson – so this is the ranking, by the way. This is the player's ranking. Lamar Jackson, number one. Russell Wilson, number two. Aaron Donald at three. Patrick Mahomes at four. You guys already know I have no problem with Russell Wilson. That's that, – that, that, that's quite – that's quite um, – that puts a smile on my face. Because finally, players are, are, are understanding how good Russell Wilson is. So, you know, he's good. But the one player that we're not talking about that we probably, that he has, he probably even has a stronger case for being number one. What about Aaron Donald? (laughs) What about Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald has a legitimate case for being the best player in football. And I think some of you guys are probably saying at this point, he is the best player in football. Some of you guys are saying that. And. You're not you're not wrong. Aaron Donald, okay. Like, he's a he's a interior lineman and he got 20 sacks. By the way, if you're not like if you're not like real football savvy, interior linemen usually don't get 20 sacks. Like, that's unheard of. That's unheard of interior linemen getting 20 sacks. Oh no, 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 no. He didn't do it just one year. he, he no 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 no. <laughs> See, he didn't do it one year. No, he did. He did two years. He did two years. And I would, I would ask the question because we talk about Mahomes a lot, and I give you guys my top quarterbacks a lot. I, I name them pretty often and pretty regularly on this podcast, and I always say Patrick Mahomes at one, Russell Wilson at two, and so forth and so forth. But. As far as the best defensive player, Aaron Donald is at one. Who in the hell is that two? Like who's who? Who's who's that two? And I know I know a lot of you guys like Stephon Gilmore. I like Stephon Gilmore too, and he's the best corner in the league. But like inside the box, coming down, making tackles, sacking the quarterback—he he don't do that. He, he doesn't do that. And cornerbacks usually don't do that. But who's the second best player? In, who's the who's the second best defensive player in football? And whoever you name, whether it be J.J. Watt, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, or Stephon, whoever you name, there's a gap between Aaron Donald and whoever you name. There's a gap. <laughs> there's a gap. And there's a lot of good interior linemen in football. Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones. It's a lot of good defensive. It's a lot of good interior defensive linemen. It's a lot of good ed, It's a lot of good edge rushers in the league. But who's the second best defensive player? I wait. You said something? <laughs> I mean, Aaron Donald has get this. Aaron Donald has 44 sacks in 46 career games, so, so he's almost a sack per game guy. He stops the run and, compa- and he pass rushes. He gets double teamed most most games, and he still gets his numbers. Aaron, I mean, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes and how Patrick Mahomes should be number one, and you can make the case. But it's a strong case to be made for him being the number one best player. It's a strong case for him being the best player in football. But why isn't nobody talking about Aaron Donald? (laughs) He has a really good case. He has a really good case. Because with Mahomes, when we're talking about the top top quarterbacks in the league, there is, like the gap isn't tremendously huge. Like, how much better is Patrick Mahomes than Russell Wilson? Like, think about it. Patrick Mahomes has a better arm, but Russell Wilson's quicker on his feet. Russell Wilson is much more elusive. Russell Wilson, he sees the game. He's able to see the game. Patrick Mahomes admitted. He admitted. He He admitted it last year. He said, or this past year. He said, I'm just now starting to read defenses. I'm just now learning how to start reading defenses. Russell Wilson can do that. Tom Brady can do that. So intellectually, Russell Wilson and Tom Brady are better. Mobile, mobility, elusiveness. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson are much more elusive and they're much more electrifying than Patrick than Patrick Mahomes on their feet. Mahomes might be the most talented, and I'm not, and by in no shape or form. And if you listen to my podcast on a on a regular basis, you would know I talk about Mahomes in great manner, and I give him a lot of praise. Some of you some of you probably get irritated, but I give him a lot of praise. But let's be let's be completely honest. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Patrick Mahomes is probably the most talented football, most quarter most talented quarterback in football. But he's not more elusive than Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. He might not be as elusive than Deshaun Watson. He might be. He might not be as elusive as Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was a track guy. I'm not even sure if he's more elusive than Deshaun Watson. Mahomes is probably the most talented out of all of those guys. But he's not the quickest. Mahomes ran. He's not the fastest. Mahomes ran a 4.84. He's a 4.8. He's a 4.8 guy. Lamar runs faster than that. Russell Wilson runs faster than that. Deshaun Watson runs faster than that. So when we're talking about top quarterbacks in the league and top defensive linemen in the league, we can all agree that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. But the gap is not the gap. is no. There's no gap. There. It's a, it's small because Russell Wilson is like right there on his on his tail. But there is a huge gap. It. I mean. Ern Donald in the next best defensive player is the it's as wide as the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it's as wide as the Grand Canyon when you're talking about who's the next best defensive player in football. Who is it? i wait. Who is it? But the next best quarterback in football is that the gap is not as wide. It's not as wide because because Patrick Holmes is not. He's not. I mean, he's. I think he. I would rather have Russell. I would have. I would rather have Patrick Mahomes than Russell Wilson, obviously. And that's no shot to Russell Wilson because you know, you guys know I love Russell Wilson. But the gap is not wide. Like Russell Wilson is right there on Mahomes' ass. <laughs> and that. No, and pause. 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 Because <laughs> I know some of you guys. Uh, you know. You know, internet likes to clips. Take. Take clips and take that and run with it. But Russell Wilson's right there on Mahomes' ass. Like, <laughs> like he's not. Like, Russell, like Patrick Mahomes is not, like, light years better than Russell Wilson. No, 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 no. He's not. They're, like, they're neck and neck. They're neck and neck. The Super Bowl really does, you know, give Mahomes that top spot. But Russell Wilson's, like, right there on his ass. Like, he's right there. He's right there. But the, the next best defensive player, who is it? I wait. Who is it? And speaking of Aaron Donald, like I think he might be the greatest. The he might. I think he might be the greatest interior lineman ever, because he can. He, he does it. He does it all. The dude's a good teammate. He he's never hurt. Aaron Donald is never hurt. I seen his training measurement with the knives. That's absolutely crazy. He's never hurt. I, I I know, I know, like, I don't know if you guys know, I think some, some of you guys may know, but he has like this training regiment that he does with knives, and his trainer is like, it, it, it's intense, it's intense, but he's never hurt, he's a great teammate, he's a great leader, he stops to run, he can rush the quarterback, <laughs> and he does it at a really high level, and who, who's, who, who's second? So everybody talking about how Patrick Mahomes should be number one. And I get it. You can make an argument for it. But Aaron Donald, he has a damn good argument and a damn good case for being the best player in football. And, I'm, and I'd be willing to make it. <clears throat> Just like how I did. <laughs> Just like how I did right there. I'd be willing to make the argument that he's, he's really good he's really good and he has a he has a strong argument for being the best player in football. Okay, so um uh, let's stay in the NFL. Um so I saw this report. Former NFL GM Bill Polian came out and said Joe Burrow is going to struggle. Now, I do understand uh, that Bill Polian has came out um uh, on 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 many occasions and made comments such as these towards um young rookie quarterbacks uh or oh, just young players and rookie or rookie players in general on how they're going to struggle and sometimes he's been wrong and he's been like real wrong like I, I think like the latest comment was um he made about Lamar Jackson now Lamar's the MVP you know so people bash Bill Polian but here's what I have to say about that um I've been, I've been on this train um, for, you know, since he's got, dra- since he's been drafted and we all, everybody knew that Cincinnati was going to draft him. Um, I've been on this whole train about Joe Burrow, and I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know, like maybe how the way Bill Polian said it, that's probably what's but Joe Burrow is going to struggle in Cincinnati his first year. I mean, let's just be the, that's just, let's just be honest. First, a number one pick. You would have, like that team like the Cincinnati Bengals, they had the number 1 pick for a reason. They were the worst team in football last year. Joe Burrow had the best squad in college football last year, defense and offense. So he's going from the absolute best team to the worst team in the NFL. Also, let's look at let's look at his division. I've been on this. I've been saying this since since he's gotten drafted, the day after he got drafted, I've been saying the same exact thing. He's going to struggle a bit. He's going to have a hard time in Cincinnati. It's not a great roster. Defensively, they're not good. Offensive line is not good and young. You're playing in a tough division with some really good defenses. And let's get to that. Baltimore has, Baltimore has a top five defense. Pittsburgh has a top five defense. And the Cleveland Browns have a top ten defense, so you you have three top ten defenses in your division. You have three top ten defenses in your division. Baltimore, we think it's going to be we think. I mean, most of us think Baltimore. Everybody thinks Baltimore's going to have a good year. I think so too. Baltimore is a Super Bowl contender. The Steelers, great roster. Browns, great roster. Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, they are going to struggle. He's gonna. I mean, I, I I pray for the kid. I mean, I pray for the kid because he's gonna he's gonna be facing pass rushers, <laughs> good secondaries. He's gonna. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a It's gonna be really tough for him. And um and usually, and usually, when people come out and make these type of comments, it's like oh, just because you're not on the hype train, like everybody's not gonna be on the Joe Burrow hype train i you know there's a lot of anticipation for him there i mean there's a lot of high hopes for Joe burrow, and I think he's gonna be i and I, I told you guys he's a good prospect Joe burrow's a good prospect I don't think he's an a prospect I think he's more so a b prospect, but he's going to struggle i don't find it i i don't find it um unfair. To say that Joe Burrow is going to struggle his first year in Cleveland, I mean in Cincinnati, I don't find I don't find it I don't find that irate to say. I think it is very much possible that he will. They will probably have a four and 5 and eleven season. Um, I'm sure they have their bright moments, but Cleveland, I mean, since I keep saying Cleveland, it's, it's because of the Ohio thing, yeah. But Cincinnati is going to struggle this year, and Joe Burrow is going to struggle as well. So that's the fact of the matter. He's going to struggle as well. He, he, I mean, he's going to have a, a damn hard time with those defenses in his division. Also with Cincinnati's schedule. He's going to have a hard time. He's going to have a hard I don't find that. Like, you're going, you're going from literally the best team in college football to the absolute worst team in the professionals. You're, you're going to struggle. There's going, to, there's going to be some weak spots. And you're talking about weak spots. Cincinnati have a lot of holes. They just had to figure out the quarterback thing. But the quarterback thing, the quarterback situation, wasn't the only issue that they had. Mind you, their defense, statistically, statistically, their defense in the last two years have been the worst in league history. Their defense had been the worst defense in league history, according to numbers, according to the stats. So, when we're saying, well, like, Joe Burrow, he's a, he's a B prospect. I think he's a B prospect. He has a lot of Tony Romo in his game. I think he's a B prospect. But he is going to struggle with this Cincinnati squad. I, I, I just find it crazy that everybody thinks he's just going to come on to the scene and light it up. I find that crazy. And if you have those expectations that he's just going to come onto the scene and light it up, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think you're sadly mistaken. And I want to take this a step further, actually. Let's take this a step deeper and a step further. So even with Tua Tagovailoa, I like Tua. You guys know I like Tua. Um, I like Tua. I think he's a better prospect than Joe Burrow. I think he's a better quarterback talent than Joe Burrow. But even with Tua, you can knock this against him. And Chris Sims even said it. Chris Sims said, hey, Tua might be an Alabama product. And what that means is Alabama had Alabama and these other big-time programs, Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, all these big-time programs, they have four- and five-star players surrounding these quarterbacks. They have four- and five-star players surrounding these quarterbacks. And with, uh, especially with a school like Alabama and Saban, they're gonna win. You're gonna win regardless. You're gonna win a lot of games. So, and you know, to, and we know that outside of, and this is just my personal preference, outside of Tua, all the other quarterbacks that Saban has coached, uh, he's had so many: AJ, AJ McCarron, and Blake Sims, and uh, and uh, McElroy. He he has had uh, he's had system quarterbacks, quote unquote, Alabama products. I don't think Tua's an Alabama product. He has an it quality about himself. He 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 has an it quality, but he played with first round receivers, so he may very well be. I'm not dismissing the fact that he could possibly be an Alabama product. I think, but me personally, I think Tua has an it quality about himself, but. It does lead me to this. With these bigger schools, four and five star recruits, four and five star recruits, and you have a great supporting cast around you. Especially if you go, if you like, especially if you go to like Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Texas. Oklahoma, like you're, like Oklahoma's not gonna have a great defense, but in Oklahoma you're gonna have Lincoln Riley. <laughs> He's gonna develop you. He's good with quarterbacks. Oklahoma's gonna have a good offense. If you go to LSU, they're gonna have good defense. They're gonna have good receivers. I mean, like think about it. How many NFL guys are LSU guys? Is, I mean, LSU continues to get a boatload of LSU players. I mean, a boatload of NFL players. They continue to do it. I mean, it's so many, like, look how many, like, outside of the quarterback position, look how many guys in the league went to LSU. Look how many guys in the league that went to Ohio State. So, these big-time schools, they have a bunch of talent surrounding these quarterbacks. And, and as we all know, and I talk about it very often on this podcast, the NFL, it's about, it, this, is a, this, this is a league where you're not going to always, the situation's not going to always be perfect. You're not going to always have a healthy O-line. You're not going to always have a a, a great coach. You're not going to always have, uh, you know, receivers. Your your receivers are always not going to be healthy. And I did this. Look at all the quarterbacks that made the playoffs last year. Take that for example. Look at all the quarterbacks that made the playoffs last year. And you will see that this league is not about, like, this league is about overcoming situations, overcoming um, scrutiny, overcoming Good defenses overcoming, uh, you know, bad O line or mediocre O line, mediocre receivers. That's what this league is about. As a franchise quarterback, so look at I'm gonna I'm gonna name out the playoff quarterbacks, and you're gonna see what colleges they went to. So Jimmy Garoppolo went to East East Illinois. Uh, Russell Wilson went to North Carolina State in Wisconsin. Uh, Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State. Aaron Rodgers took the junior college route, then went to Cal. Drew Brees played at Purdue. Kirk Cousins played at Michigan State. That's the NFC. The AFC, Brady went to Michigan. Lamar went to Louisville. Tannehill went to Texas A&M. Uh, Deshaun Watson went to Clemson. Josh Allen went to Wyoming. And Patrick Mahomes went to Texas Tech. Those are, those are all of the playoff quarterbacks. Those were all the playoff quarterbacks. Where's the big school? Texas Tech, there's a bunch of Texas Tech, Louisville, Louisville's a basketball school, Texas A&M, Wyoming, North Dakota State, Purdue, Wisconsin, it's a bunch of those, it's East Illinois, it's a bunch of those, it's a bunch of those, and with Deshaun Watson, he went to Clemson, but let's remember, before Deshaun Watson got to Clemson, Clemson wasn't playing for national championships. Clemson wasn't playing for national championships. They weren't a powerhouse dominant uh, team or program before Deshaun Watson. Prior to Deshaun Watson, Clemson wasn't winning national championships. They weren't playing in national championships. So, they didn't, so actually Clemson didn't become a power, they didn't become a powerhouse program until Deshaun Watson took them to the national championship game. They didn't, they, they weren't, they weren't going to national championship games. And Debo Sweeney's a good coach, but that's just the fact of the matter. They weren't going to, to national championship games. But my whole overall point about this is this. Look at all the schools. Look at all the, look at all the schools um, that these quarterbacks, that the playoff quarterbacks from last year went. These, most of these schools are schools that you never heard of. East Illinois, you never heard of that. North Dakota State, w- you, you don't even see North Dakota State on TV most times. They, they, they don't even, they don't even play, in the, they play in the FBS. You don't even see, you don't even see, you, you don't even see North Dakota State. Um, Rogers, Ernest Rogers, trials and tribulations, had to go to junior college, then went to Cal. Drew Brees went to Purdue. Kirk Cousins went to Michigan State. And Brady went to Michigan, but that's not really an A program. That's not a. That's not. That's not in the. That's not. Michigan is not in the same class as Ohio State and Alabama. They're. You're not in that same. They're not in that same class. It's just not. Louisville. It's a basketball school. Uh, Texas A&M. Come on, get me out. Get get out of here. Wyoming. You you don't see them on TV. Texas Tech. The, Texas Tech is awful in the Big Twelve. In the Big Twelve, they're awful. So that's my point. That's my whole, whole point. And I'm not mad. I'm not like Chris Sims came out and said, hey, Tua might be an Alabama product. He might be another Nick Saban product that played with some great talent at Alabama, but we don't know how really good he is as a quarterback. And I think that's a little bit different with Tua. I think he has a little bit of it quality. But I'm not gonna just dismiss the fact that he could possibly be an Alabama product. I'm not gonna dismiss the fact. Because if you look, I mean, this is, this, I, tell, I tell you guys all the time, this is what the league is about. This, I, I told you, I'm so good at these quarterbacks. When it comes to these quarterbacks and talking about these quarterbacks and giving you guys an opinion, I'm so good with it. Because it's, it's about overcoming, driving tribulations, mediocre, mediocre receivers, mediocre O-line, average O-line. That's what you have to deal with. That's what you have to deal with as a franchise quarterback. That's why – that's why – like, why do you – like, why do you think some of these Ohio State quarterbacks, these great Alabama quarterbacks, these LSU quarterbacks, why do you think often – like, even with the USC guys a little bit, when the USC was a dominant program, even with the USC – but with these big-time programs, why do you think – these quarterbacks don't make it in NFL because in these big time programs they have all the help. They don't have to come, they don't have to overcome nothing. That's the one thing about Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback and I think he's a great talent. I think he's the best quarterback talent coming out of the draft coming out of college since Andrew Luck. I think he is that good. But one could argue, well he plays at Clemson and he has a lot of help and that he does. He plays at Clemson, and he's playing with four- and five-star players. He has the best defensive coordinator in college football. His defense is usually good. He has Dabo Sweeney. He has four- and five-star product players all around him. So if you wanted to make the argument about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, you could. Justin Fields plays at Ohio State. Four- and five-star defensive players, uh, four- and five-star running backs and receivers. You could make that argument, but why do you think often there is not a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks in the league that are successful, Oklahoma quarterbacks in the league that are successful, Alabama quarterbacks in the league that are successful? Because this is what the league is about. It's about overcoming, overcoming trials and tribulations. And when you play at those type of schools, when you play at Alabama, when you play at Alabama with Nick Saban, when you play at Clemson with Davon Sweeney and four, four and five star players and other NFL guys, you don't have to overcome much. You know, I mean, you don't have to overcome much. And but I think with Tua, I think Tua is a little bit different. But we'll see. I'm not gonna just dismiss the fact that Chris Sims made. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just the point that he made because it's a very valid point about. Quarterbacks in these big programs, and you know, having to overcome things because that's what the league is about—overcoming, overcoming. It's about overcoming. You got to overcome some things. You're gonna have. You're gonna have. some <clears throat> there's gonna be some spots that your team just can't fix. Your team. Your team just can't fix. You got to overcome it as a franchise quarterback. That's why the franchise, the the real good, like that's why the top, top, top guys in the NFL with. Mahomes, your Russell Wilson, your Aaron Rodgers. This is why they get paid, how much they get paid, and this is why they're worth every penny. Because you they overcome things. They overcome deficits. They overcome mediocre offensive lines, mediocre receiving core. That's the things that they overcome. And that is that's a big part of it uh, of being a franchise guy or a top-tier franchise guy in the league. You have to overcome certain things. That's what, I, that's what it is. You've got to overcome certain things. That's the, And I, I love that fact. I love that point by Chris Sims. I don't agree with it, but it's a really valid point. He, uh, Tua, Tua may be an Alabama product, a Nick Saban product. I don't think he is, because I think with Alabama and under Tua, with Tua playing with Alabama, yes, he played with some really good receivers. His receivers was really good, but he changed that offense, how that offense ran. That, like, the, like the Alabama traditional offense with, with Saban is they run heavy, they run first, and they run the ball even more. Well, with Tua, they spread the field out. They, they, they could beat you over the top. They beat you with slap patterns. They beat you with speed. It was Saban in Alabama is more of a power team usually. But with Tua in the last few years, They have been known for their vertical passing and spreading the field out. And that is why I think Tua has a little bit of it quality to him. He has a little bit of it factor to him. And that's why I think he's going to be a little bit better than Joe Burrow. Um, But, um, you know, I I think with the Joe Burrow and the Bill Polian point, and then with Chris Sims and his point about Tua, I think they do kind of intertwine and interconnect because Burrow went to LSU, big-time school, LSU, um, especially this year. LSU had guys. I mean LSU had guys all over the field this year, and of course Bama. They, could, they, they 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 keep NFL guys. Both schools keep NFL guys, so it's a valid argument to be made for both for both of these quarterbacks. They may underachieve. They may underachieve. I think I think Tua has a little bit of it quality. Joe Burrow, I think he's more B B ish, um, but he has you know the supporting cast in in Cincinnati. It's not as good as it is in Miami. I like how the way Miami has built their team. Miami has a culture. Cincinnati, I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell the culture is. I don't know. I don't know. So that's why I can't. I, you know, that's why Cincinnati. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for Cincinnati, and they play in a tough division. They, they play in a. They play. In, they, probably, they play in the toughest division in the AFC. In the AFC, Joe Burrow plays in the toughest division in the AFC with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, like. Baltimore and Pittsburgh—they're well ran. Baltimore and Pittsburgh is—they're both well ran. Cleveland, uh, you know, they got a good roster. They just have a good roster. But Baltimore and Pittsburgh front offices excellent. They're A's. They—they're A's in the front office. But uh, Cleveland is just—they have—they just have a really good roster and a coach that I like. That's all Cleveland has. But it's still a really tough division um that cincinnati plays in it's gonna be really tough for joe burrow like i said real tough it's gonna be really tough for him so um that's gonna wrap it up um guys we have done a great job we we, we, we've done so good so we are finally uh, um we finally got some sports we have topics to react to uh we have nba content we have mlb content uh mlb season boy oh boy i hope the mlb season um I hope it can it, it hope it can last because you know with these certain hot spots and certain places certain places um it may it may hurt and, and it may render uh the season. So hopefully um it doesn't do it like that outbreak that happened with the Miami Marlins, boy, you hope not that you hope for not for that not to happen to another team in another location. That that you, you, you don't you don't need that if you're baseball, you do not need that. Uh like I they came up with a rule change with um so double hitters are now seven inning games. So not nine innings, seven inning games for double hitters. So th- I think that's gonna be a that's a I think that might be a smart tweak um for baseball and to keep it up and continue it because if they have another like breakout like that like they did with Miami Woo that the season might be in jeopardy. The season the season very well might be in jeopardy. And like I said, I don't wanna be negative. I don't want I don't wanna be negative, but the season very well may be in jeopardy if they have another team or in another location, break out like that. They don't need to break out like that. Um <clears throat> NBA the NBA is on this Friday. It's on, it's on. It's a lot of good games on coming on this Friday. I can't wait. I'm I'm be watching these games. Um, it's a lot of content. You know, we got sports back. I'm happy. We got sports back because for like four or five months, we, we were just going off top of my brain. I, I had to literally find stories for you guys and we had to talk about them, but we have sports back and it's something to talk about. We back on the road, baby. Um, this has been a great podcast. Episode 141 of the Isaiah Kid podcast. I am gone. This has been a good journey. I'm tired. Let me catch my breath. Okay. Uh, um yeah but um this is this has been good. is this, this is a this is a good podcast. This is a good episode right here. Um I hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um we'll be back. I'll be back next week. <laughs> you guys already know that. I'll be back next week. Catch you guys, enjoy the weekend, stay safe, stay healthy, stay wealthy, keep your masks on, masks are required in certain places, they should be required everywhere, um, in the pandemic, I'm not an epidemiologist, but the mask, I think, does help, but once again, I'm not an epidemiologist, so, uh, yeah, um, two choices, one decision, um, we are gone, we are out of here, yeah, we're out of here, we're done, boom.